and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I don't like hard wheelers. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Pit Stop. The original title was the winner, released in 1969, written, directed and edited by Jack Hill. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Rick. He's a drag racer who's just been paid by Grant Willard, a racing promoter, to drive for him in some figure eight derby racing. As Rick starts to make his way up the ranks of winning, he starts to really question, is this really what he wants? So this is a Roger Corman produced and financed very low budget American wow. independent film. And I kind of stumbled across this film director uh, about 20 years ago when I was doing a dissertation on Grindhouse movies. Wow, yeah. And uh, I discovered these classics uh, such as uh, Coffee from 1973, uh, as well as Foxy Brown in oh, 1974, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and then looking at his other movies, including The Switchblade Sisters, oh, which yeah. is uh, one of the films that Tarantino highly praises. Yeah. There was other films such as The Swinging Cheerleaders and uh, <laughs> Spider Baby. It would look like this director would, would dabble in lots of different genres, and he mm. kind of ended his career with a bit of a falling out with Roger Corman with the film Sorceress, uh, where he had his name removed as yeah. writer-director. Uh, but Jack Hill, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that a lot of these films were really hard to find 20 years ago, and just like Pit Stop, which original name was the winner, has had a fantastic Blu-ray restoration, along with a lot of uh, this filmmaker's other films. Now, this film was finished in 1967, and it took a few years of post-production to actually get this film yeah, uh, finished. Yeah. And, uh, and in 69, when they were about to release the film, Universal had just released the Paul Newman film, Winning. And so they had to change, change their, name their name to yeah. Pit Stop so yeah. that they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't compete with it having this very similar name. But unfortunately for Pit Stop, when it was released in '69, almost every well every drive-in theater in America was only screening color movies. Oh, wow. So if you had a black and white movie, you were not going to get shown. And so this film ended up, you know, disappearing into obscurity because no one wanted to show it. It was an old-looking film. It looked beat up, and it yeah. wasn't looking modern. So this film was kind of defeated out the gate, really. But uh, it's amazing now having this wonderful restoration, just looking at this film's picture and sound quality. It actually suits the film being in black and white. Yes. Like, I I love a good classic movie. Uh, as I'm getting older, in my old age, I'm really starting to appreciate movies. Like, I really appreciate finding a movie I've never heard of. Um starring people I will never see in another movie done by a director I've probably never heard of, you know? And, and like, when I set up to sit down and watch this review, I'm just like, Pit Stop, Jack Hill, Black and White 1969, you know, your, your brain immediately goes into that place of this is going to be bad. And I, I read on the wiki page, it was just like, look, you know, like Gary said, one of the one of the failures for this movie was because it was in black and white. And yet, weirdly enough, it was 1968, just a year before Night of the Living Dead was released. You know, and I'm like, wow, that's, that movie did really well in a year before. And a year later, black and white movies are just like, nah, we're, we're not even bothering anymore. Such a great opening 
for this movie. I was immediately just drawn in by Richard Davalos's Rick Bowman. You know, he's he's the rebel. He's the greaser. You see him stand outside of his car with his hair. I love, love, love those old school 1950s souped up turbo monster cars. You know, the fact that they're setting up for drag racing and like, like I live in the, I, I live in the world now that we have more Fast and Furious movies than we probably have anything else out there. And I look at this and they're not bad. I'll, I'll go on a limb. They're not bad. You know, some stories go all up in the place, but you can see like fans of that would love to watch this type of movie. Oh, hell yeah. Like starting off with that drag race. I mean, yes. just the moment when the engines are revving yes. up and the tires are screeching as they take off down the road. You're just like, yeah, you know, it doesn't need all the bells and whistles of Fast and Furious. I mean, that's it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but just stripped down and it's raw and real here. Yes. And, uh, and of course, it you know it doesn't go too well for the other driver who ends up <laughs> plowing right through a fence and into some poor bastard's house. That's it, yeah. And then Rick, he's he's being chased by the cops and he, he's banging away, and he's been observed uh, by by Grant Willard, played by Brian Donlevy, and Willard is you know he, he owns a couple of race drivers. He's he he's bought them or they owe him money. Um, and he's got them in these races and that's how he makes his money back and he's seen Rick and he thinks Rick is the next new big thing that he wants and so he bails Rick out and they have this chat and then he takes him to see the figure eight derby racing which I thought was great because it scared Rick five minutes before he was a cocky you know take no crap kind of guy and now he's being told look you owe me money, and I want you to race in this. Yeah, and those figure eight Derby races, they're destructive. There's carnage. There's metal scraping and sparks and cars being flipped and ambulances driving out. Man, I wanted to play Destruction Derby oh, so bad. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, straight away, he's still like, no, I'm not getting involved in that. That's not my kind of racing. And he's like, well, let's go to the party. Let's go to the pub and see everybody afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and he'd already seen Sid Haig, who plays... Hawk Sydney, and he is the champion of this racetrack, yes. this figure eight racing. Nobody can touch him. He's so intimidating. No one even wants to scratch the paint of his car. <laughs> but he, he is a loud mouth braggart, you know. He's he's cocky. He's wide-eyed, you know. Like, the moment he gets the trophy, he's kissing the, the half-naked girls, <laughs> you know. He's partying. He's drinking. He's celebrating. He's sure of himself. and And that... That is what forces Rick to go, I want a piece of that. That yeah. that can be me. I'm not getting that attention with these drag races. Yeah. I'm getting thrown in the slammer. Yeah. So uh, actually, no, I'm in. And this is where we kind of get uh, little insights into, into Rick's character. Because we don't get a full backstory or anything. No, no. But every time somebody goes to touch him, he's like, you know, he flinches away yeah. from any human contact. He is a complete loner. 
but he is very self-assured. He knows what he's capable of. And I like the scenes where, you know, he goes to uh, to, to get himself a car. To oh, the mechanic. Compete. And the mechanic's just like, well, I hear you're going to be racing for this guy and cars are going to get banged up. How about I sponsor you? You can drive my cars for free and, you know, we split the winnings. He's like, nah. No, no, I don't I'll, work for nobody. Yeah, I'll buy the car, and if I end up wrecking the car or losing the races, I'll work for you for less than what you're offering until I pay it back. Yeah. I was like, so, you know, he, he very much is a loner, very much is looking after himself, and yeah. doesn't want to be beholden to anybody else because he's got his sights set on being the victor. I mean, that's what I really loved about this movie. I really loved, like how the other characters were establishing this universe for us especially this mechanic you know the way he tries to convince rick you know to, to oh, i'll sponsor you and you can pay me back and rick's like no this is how i want to do it and and even though th this deal is shitty on my end i'd much prefer to do it this way and then the mechanic kind of just lets him in on the information of like ah you must be working for Willard. Yeah, he does this a few times, you know. And you get the impression, just from the way the mechanic explains it, that Willard's done this a number of times. He gets a new champion, he gets them into the car, they do really well, and then he goes out and he gets another one, so then that person's in there. And it's just more money. If Willard can get his races in the top three spots, then he's making money back. Sid Haig as Hawk. Oh, fucking hell yeah. I mean, if there's any reason to watch this movie other than the fucking race cars, it's fucking Sid Haig. And, like, I know we talk about a lot, like, The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, all of his scary horror stuff. You know, I, I, I like them in Galaxy of Terror, weird sci-fi movie. Seeing him in this was just so good to see him actually act, you know, in something kind of realistic. And there was just so much confidence coming from him in certain sequences. Like when he goes dancing. I, I, I dance like that. I dance like that, Sid. That's how I dance too. And now I'm going to do it so much more because Sid Haig fucking did it too. <laughs> So the first couple of races that Rick enters, they really don't go too well. I mean, the first race he's in, he ends up in a crash and then ends up in a punch-up with one of the drivers because obviously he doesn't want to crash and now he has to work for the mechanic. But it's he starts to get some really good ideas and I, I love the way that this movie kind of slipped the montages in. Just like, he's got to work on his car now and he's getting all these ideas. Well, if I reinforce the metal here and I do this there... I really liked the uh, the montages of the uh, of the destruction derbies of the figure eight racing. Yeah. Now, I mean, a few people have said, oh, it's clearly just stock footage. This low budget film couldn't oh. afford that. But no, you know, they actually went to these locations and, and filmed the, you know, the real deal. What? So the actors are actually no. in the car going? No, because the Jack Hill actually found out when they started filming that Sid Haig at this time did not know how to drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah. So no, he's not actually driving in any of the scenes. They actually used a very cheap and very improvised form of rear projection yeah. to give the illusion and I was I was very impressed for a late 60s movie to have very good or very competent rear view projection where it's almost seamless I mean there's a few instances where you'll see Rick driving and you know and he had a rear view mirror so that he could look at the projection behind him to see when he, the cars go around the corner so he can actually right. turn the wheel nice uh, but it's very slightly delayed but I was like but it's actually it's actually very good I think it's because it's a black and white film as well 
you know the the it's seamlessly incorporated yeah i felt that as well i mean when i was watching the the the, the racing on the figure eight i was just like there's no way they could get the actors out on here no, it's that just was so dangerous you know you'd have insurance you'd have safety pro uh, problems when you edited it with then the actors in the car i looked i was really intensely looking and i'm like all right yes it's being projected on the back screen and there was a moment my brain was like, oh man, that's really quite shit. I kind of wanted them to be in the racing. And then I'm like, well, what's the difference to CGI or green screen? Like we've got oh, yeah. nowadays, there's absolutely no difference. The actor is what we're paying, it's supposed to be paying attention to and the way that they react to then how it's edited to crashes and turns and things like that. I mean, watching Sid Haig do his racing, even though he's not actually on the race, but how angry he looks. Oh, and yeah. then edit it with him crashing into people and smash them out of the way. I was so fucking hyped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, I, I, you know, I'm like, again, to the, you know, the director who, who edited the film as well and even edited the sound and everything else. He did a, a lot of roles on this film. And the, uh, the racing scenes are edited almost, in my opinion, to perfection. It's all of the high octane smashes and crashes. And, you know, and despite, like, in the real world, when there's a single car crashed or a single car flipped, the race is stopped, ambulances out there, drivers taken out, cars taken care of, yeah. and then the race continues. Obviously, with the film, like, there's crashes happening all over the place, you know, <laughs> the race does not stop. No. Uh, but, you know, if you're watching, you will notice as the race continues, the crashed cars are, they're not on the track anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the way it's been edited is obviously a lie. Yeah. But in terms of the, in terms of the pacing of the races between... The footage of the crashes to the shots of the interior of the of our two main characters reacting uh, to each other and to the the crashes are are very well timed. You know, it 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 just it gives you that adrenaline like yeah. you just said. Yeah, so yeah. the editing here is really really well done. So Rick realizes he needs a little bit more help uh, to actually try to win races or he's literally not going to be able to pay Willard back. And he meets like this kind of oldie style racing guy at the side of the road. Like they didn't even really give him a name. He basically says to Rick like, look, I've been doing this for years. I can teach you some stuff. And so him and Rick just go out and they used to start practicing the figure eight. So then Rick takes some of those skills back into the race with him and you get this great bit with Sid Haig where he's gone out and he's bought himself this new car he's gonna be the championship driver for Willard nobody better scratch the fucking paintwork on this car or you're all gonna get it and so Rick's just like I want to smash that car up <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn it over got his hands full And he does. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you kind of felt like he needed to do it because that's what his character's supposed to do. Well, you're also rooting for him at this point. You kind of want to see him succeed. He's not come across as a bad guy. Yeah. You know, so he's driven, literally, you know, uh, to win and overcome this... 
you know, this antagonist who yeah. has been very unpleasant towards him and almost everybody around him. And Rick has even stolen his girlfriend. <laughs> well, <laughs> Jolene, I mean... who, who's played by uh, Beverly Washburn, who I kind of recognized from uh, Star Trek, uh, the original oh, right. series. She was in one episode, uh, uh, the nice. episode where they uh, go to a planet and they all start aging rapidly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in fairness, Jolene does make it clear that she's not with anybody. True. You know, uh, but she's she is drawn to Rick. I mean, he, he he's that character, you know, of course, he's the bad boy and he's winning at the moment. So she starts to get with him. But you can kind of also tell that Rick, you know, he's not fully into her. He's wanting more. He's getting greedy now. And after dealing with, I mean, they have this hell of a sequence after he takes out Sid Haig's car where he takes Jolene out on a date, and then Sid Haig fucking beats the shit out of him and destroys his fucking car. With an axe. Yeah. <laughs> And it's an extended sequence. Like, he literally goes to town on the front, the hood, the boot, the tires, everything. Everything. I mean, when you get the wide shot afterwards, you're just like, God damn. God damn, man. You were fucking angry. Like, I was worried he was going to do something to Jolene, but he just kind of looks at her and then he just leaves it and walks away. Yeah. Um, And what's really funny after that is that, you know, Rick doesn't actually cause any issues after that. Like, he ends up at the hospital, he's got his arm in a cast, he's got his head in a bandage, he, he calls up Willard and he says to him, like, look, you know, uh, I may have had a few more few drinks last night. Doesn't tell him that he's got a concussion and he shouldn't be racing. The doctor's like, don't race. And even even Willard says to, um, says to Hawk at this point, like, you know, I've just spoken to Rick and Hawk's like, whoa, what did he say? Oh, nothing, he's got a bit of a hangover. So, it's kind of weird that you kind of see Hawk kind of happy, weirdly, that he hasn't been dubbed in. That Rick's taken this like a man. But then you get this really weird sequence from Willard where he says to Hawk, like, Oh, yeah, you know, I'm just going to replace you. I don't need you. And Hawk's like, yeah, whatever. And Willard's like, oh, no, I don't mean that. I'm actually really your friend, Hawk. And I sat down and I'm like, wow, Willard is the bad guy in this whole movie. He's such a fucking asshole. He's the one dangling the carrot in front of them. Yes. You know? and, uh, and, and these race car drivers, they want that success. They want to reach the heights. And, you know, at the midpoint of the film, we get we find out that there is, you know, an actual race, you know, a more professional race, more, yes. more uh, highly uh, recognized in the racing industry. Uh, that uh, only a few racers, the elite racers, will actually qualify to be able to race in. Well, that's it. And Willard's only in, in, allowed to submit so many racers to yeah. it. And so they're they're kind of gearing themselves up to go against this other, you know, more well-known race car driver who's doing the rounds right now to test out his new car. Yeah. Uh, and also to see kind of what, like, the competition is out there. We have George Washburn playing Ed McLeod, and Ed is Willard's like top top racer. And you've also got this other racer coming as well, uh, Sonny Simpson, who you know everybody's everybody's in awe about, but everybody wants to beat. And so you have that little time trial thing of them trying to get the best time as as fast as they can. You have like the confrontation between Hawk and and Sonny. And he's trying to rile him up because people have heard that if, if Sonny gets riled up, that he can't focus on the races. And you, you also get this moment where like um, 
Rick goes to see Ed McLeod and he walks into the garage. I really love the camera work in there. It was a, this kind of up in the air shot of just watching Rick walk around the mechanic station and then get to the room where he thinks Ed is working. And we're not, it's not Ed, but it's his wife, Ellen. Played by uh, Ellen uh, Burstein, yeah. who I recognise as the mother from Requiem from a Dream, because I'll never no, forget really? her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, I kind of feel a bit awkward now, thinking she looked hot in that mechanic outfit, knowing full well that she goes off to talk to her fridge. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, she was great in this movie. Uh, she's kind of the new love interest, like... Rick is really taken back, not only by how kind of beautiful she is, loved her, loved the way that she looked, but also how good she is with cars. You know, she's a really exceptional mechanic. They've got this new engine going on. But as she later explains to Rick, it's like Ed doesn't see her. All he sees is the car and the racing. And like three quarters of the way through the movie, you have this really weird like sand buggy moment. Yeah, I I literally I, like it's very rare that I I write a note down saying worst scene in the movie. <laughs> yeah. That that got my attention. Worst scene in the movie. What made it the worst scene? It's it, the, the, it's devoid of anything. Yeah. I mean what I mean it literally goes from day to night, and we just watch these guys having fun riding around in these dune buggies, you know, across the sand. Yeah. You know, and they have like a little party, a fire pit at the I, end, I and think, it's just like I think it's a generational thing. They used to do that. Yeah, back but then it was so long winded, you know, and, yeah. and the, the music in the film has also been fantastic up until this point. Uh, uh, the the band, the Daily Flash band. You know, and it's kind of like a jazzy, uh, sorry, more blues kind of yeah, music, but yeah, very yeah. psychedelic as well. Yes. Really fit uh, the mood of the film incredibly well. And interestingly, uh, the band members also said, well, that wasn't actually us. We don't actually know who performed that. Maybe it was some stand-ins or, you know, like, it's just a weird, uh, they, must, right, okay. they were all on acid, clearly. And <laughs> so bits of music were used and they, got, the the, 60s. they yeah. got credited. It was a short-lived band anyway. Uh, but yeah, the whole Dune Buggy scene just went on and on and on. And I was just like, okay, like the racing car stuff is got an energy to it. This doesn't. And, it, yeah. and, and the momentum of the film just, it, it stalled for me a little bit there. Yeah, it kind of led to a sequence where, like... So you know Rick is kind of it, kind of fancying Ellen. He's been shooting her these looks, and she's been catching him and shooting him these looks back as well. And I, I really didn't want the two of them to get together because I didn't know the Ed McLeod character well enough to not like him. Uh, I just didn't think them two getting together would be a, a good idea. And then they're at this, they're at these sand dunes, and. Rick goes to speak to Ellen when she's walked off on her own. She explains to him, like, like, you know, Ed doesn't see me. He only sees the cars. He only sees the racing. And then kind of Rick just kind of throws himself at her. And she doesn't beat it, fight him off or anything. They kind of just make out. And then it cuts to, like, the next day. And, like, that sequence would lead on to a sequence where Ed is nervous about the upcoming race. Rick has managed to get himself into the race by taking out Hawk. So now he's there to cover Ed. He's supposed to, Ed is supposed to win. And Rick is supposed to hold back anybody who's going to try to overtake him. But Willard even explains to Rick, I don't care who wins. 
as long as it's my, one of my cars. As long as it's one of my cars. And I, that's, you're like, fuck you, Willard. Fuck you. I'm trying to like these people and you're not making it easy by telling them, look, I want you all to slit each other's throats as long as I win at the end. Um, but I did like this little sequence where Ed sat there in the dark and he's smoking uh, and Ellen says to him, like, are you nervous? And he's like, look, I'm nervous about tomorrow. And he says to her, like, look, after the race tomorrow, let's just get away. Let's go start a family. Let's do something with our lives. And so you kind of see in Ellen's face, like, whatever happened with her and Rick, did they have sex? Did they just kiss? I don't know. Did she have feelings for him? And now she's regretting, regretting it. I'm not entirely sure. But there was just something. There was some kind of emotion there, which I was really impressed about. Um, but then we get to the final race. And it's Rick. And it's Ed. And they're bombing around the tracks. And Rick causes Ed to crash. Causes him to spin out. Um, and Like intentionally. Intentionally, He fucking yeah. takes him out. Rick wants to win. Yeah. You know, he wants to be the winner. Um, but uh, inadvertently, another car then collides with Ed's, you know, you know, spun out car. Yeah. Which causes uh, some severe whiplash. You know, the, uh, the ambulance crew is out there. They're telling him not to get out of the car. But he's like, no, I'm going to walk to I'm, the ambulance I'm myself. Fine, yeah. And uh, and then we find out when when Rick goes to the hospital where Ed's been taken uh, that he died from a broken neck. Yeah. And uh, and and Willard says, yeah, he probably would have lived if he had just stayed in the car instead of walking to the to the the paramedics. But now now he's passed. Yeah. But I need a new racer. He's got. We've still got races to do, and I need a new racer. Do you want to be that racer, Rick? And Rick looks around the room, and it was a really good shot because he first he looks at he looks at Hawk, who, you know, Sid Haig. He started the movie as this real confident kind of up in your face, don't fuck with me kind of attitude, and he's just been knocked down, knocked down, knocked down as the movie's gone on, and now he's got to the point where one of his buddies has died, and he's not even being asked, and he kind of looks really upset about it, and then, you know, like Rick's already spoken to Jolene, and she's in shock. You know that this that, that Ed's dead. Ellen is even is even worse off because they were going to start a family. And Rick's like, "Yeah, let's go, Willard. Let's go." Yeah, I mean, uh, the film has a very abrupt ending. You know, they yeah. get in the car and drive off, and it's a single credit screen end of movie. And you, you know, you kind of left there, sat there, like, you know, at first, you, it, 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 the film forces you to 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 pause for thought, to think about what's happened. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it and, and as the films ended, immediately I was unsatisfied with the ending, um, but I needed the film to just resonate a little while uh, to 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 reflect upon it, and uh, and I, I find it fascinating that when you see you you know it's just following Rick from the beginning to the end. Yeah. You know, and and how driven he is, you know, obsessed with winning. Uh, that in my interpretation, he has literally sold his soul totally, uh, to, totally. Uh, to 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 achieve that, which yeah. he does have. But then, like, look at the damage that has been done. Like, nobody likes him. Yeah, nobody but, wants to be with him. But he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. He doesn't care. That's what I got from the end of this movie. As soon as he walked out and he got in the car with Willard, I was like. I'd, I'd spent most of this movie trying to like this guy, it, and yet the yeah. movie gave me no reason it, it's to. It's like he swapped places with Hawk, you know? Yeah. And Hawk, you know, defeated at the end, has what I would conceive as maybe a realisation that he was the bad guy, but now he's been brought down. He's got perspective and realises yes. 
that Rick's now going to go off and become what he was at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's like, oh, that, you know, when you when you think about it and, it put, and you put it together, like, that really, really works. Really and works. then when you rewatch the film again and you see, you watch Rick slowly you know, descend into that madness of obsession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's really, really well done. But it's like what you said. We don't know where Rick's come from. So, yeah. you know, like, maybe he started with nothing and now he, he he's getting so much that he, he he's getting greedy. But maybe... Maybe he had something, he lost it all, and now he's trying to get it all back. Maybe he was always this asshole guy and he fucked with everybody's life just to get to where he was. Or maybe it was a new thing for him and he didn't know what he was doing. I don't know, it's just awesome. <laughs> well, Ian, what were your favourite scenes from Pit Stop? Oh, man, like, all of the racing sequences, all of the all of the footage from the figure eight racing, I absolutely fucking loved. Like, it had me on the edge of my seat, the smashing of the cars. Like, this is 69. They've got no safety harnesses. They barely got fucking seatbelts, people. The cars are held together by fucking good intentions and spit. And here they are, driving around at high speeds, trying to smash the fuck out of each other so they can win. It was awesome there was a part of me that was like yeah i want to do fucking destruction every <laughs> driving and then when the film finished i was like nope no 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 no, not for me i loved a lot of the sequences with sid haig um always loved captain spaulding really um think he's been a great actor and i'm really glad that i get to go back and watch some of the classic stuff maybe he didn't get the praise that he should have back then people didn't realize how good it was you don't see it until you step away from it but he was great in this like like we said he starts off so confident dancing he's got the women he's got the trophies he's just doing so well and as the movie goes on he gets knocked and knocked you know that moment where he smashes the fuck out of the truck with with uh, rick and jolene in there i honestly thought rick was gonna get an upper hand and beat him but then he gets knocked out he gets concussed and rick's just left on the floor and i'm like how is this supposed to make me feel do i feel like hawk is the bad guy and i'm thinking no hawk's been fucked over at this moment he's, he's just, it was just so great um up until the point where he um he got beat hawk got beat by rick and he says to him like you drove a hell of a race, Rick. Yeah. And he says, thanks. And he says, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can I buy you a beer? Yeah. And he and Rick says, yeah. That's actually my favorite scene that in the film. That was so good. Because it, it like, you know, the, the, the balance had shifted at that point. Yeah. Like, you know, and, you know, and, and, and Hawk's not a through and through villain. Yeah. He is the, he was the antagonist up until this point, but, uh, you know, he, you know, the respect has, has come there as, you know, these two that are obsessed with what it is that they love doing. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that they could become friends after this is, uh, you know, and of course just a, a complete transformation for watching Sid Haig be this massive, larger than life character yeah. to, uh, to be at this, this level then almost on the same level as Rick, yeah. uh, was, yeah, it was bravo. And it was such a tilt moment in the film, uh, that, that, that that's my favorite scene. I thought it was great as well when, when Hawk was talking to Willard and Willard's talking about like, you know, he just kind of lets this little thing slip. Like he doesn't really care about Hawk or Ed or Rick. He cares about who's driving his car and that the cars are winning. And Hawk's getting this realization while he's trying to work, you know, he's, he's trying to work for Willard, but you know, he's thinking to himself, is this all I've got? I, this all I am. I'm just going to be your lackey for the rest of my life. I just thought it was outstanding acting from Sid Haig. And like I said, um, I, like the racing sequences, especially the last one where where Rick wins, like 
that realization when he gets out of the car and nobody's there and they've all everybody who should be there to congratulate him is at the hospital with ed you know i i wouldn't say the final hospital sequence is my favorite sequence but i i did love just having all of the major players that we'd seen in the movie in this one room you know and each one of them is just emotionally different to everybody else i mean the women are upset one guy's dead hawk's not saying anything and willard's just like let's get back to business he's got his winner yeah <laughs> it's great yeah, yeah, that, that was a great moment. So, because I've already said uh, my my main favorite scene, but there was one other line of dialogue that I really liked, and it was when they were out on the sand dunes, uh, and he looks out and uh, and he's just like, "Do you think there's a place in the world where you won't find an old beer can?" <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> like, that. That, as that well. was great, great line of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and of course, again, just going back to the actual. You know, a highlight, vis visible highlight of the movie was all of the, the destruction of these wonderful classic cars just yes. being smashed to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ian, do you recommend Pit Stop? I totally recommend Pit Stop. Um, I'm a sucker for old school movies with people that I've never heard of in them. And I just love just just looking deeply into the movie and trying to pick it apart and noticing that you know in 69 they were doing as much effort as they can to get all these races edited together you know get these actors to do what they can if you are a fan of movies with fast cars and racing if all you've done for the last 10 years is watch fast and furious movies and think there is nothing better than those types of movies watch pit stop or the winner, or whatever the fuck it's called, wherever you can fucking find it. It's amazing. Yes, absolutely. Recommending Pit Stop. Uh, this, for me, was a really engrossing and compelling film about obsession and being hyper-focused on achieving victory and winning, but losing your soul along the way. <laughs> Richard Davalos played the opportunistic loner to perfection plenty of subtlety in his performance as his darker side comes uh, to the forefront sid haig stole the show though totally. as the major antagonist in loud-mouthed wild performance was very convincing along with his more reserved and toned down scenes the action the grating steel the crashes the races the figure eight derbies were truly riveting and very exciting and absolutely a highlight of the film the cinematography was fantastic, capturing all the crashes and the, the restoration of this film to Blu-ray is just as magical as the flawless editing in bringing this film back to life, ensuring a wider audience can experience this cult movie. The film has a great sound, lots of roaring engines, clashes of metal on metal, and a brilliant soundtrack by The Daily Flash. The Blu-ray also has many special features with commentary tracks, interviews, and a look at the restoration process. Truly a film collector's prize. And for anyone who wants to know more about the making of this stellar, low-budget, independent film, it's a crash-a-rama. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. <laughs>